Welcome back, Strongman Academy, podcast number five. Today, I've got Albert Pelichet. Albert's been a mentor of mine for about a year and a half now, and I did this program the first year, and I was, I've said it before, I was kind of throwing darts at the board, and I got with him. He really helped me on some of my own personal stuff and some of my meditation, and I realized he's doing a program. It's like a middle-aged version of Strong Men. It's called Man Up. He's going to tell you all about it, but I started getting best practices from Albert. I started working with Albert, started networking with Albert, and it's it's changed the dynamic of my program tremendously. Uh, when it comes to this particular program, he is probably my number one mentor, so I'm going to let him introduce himself before we get started. Hey, Andy, thanks for having me on the show i've been listening to all the episodes i really like the people you're bringing in and uh yeah let's uh give some value to the audience awesome awesome so tell me tell me how you developed man up where did the concept come from and and give me a little chronology on on the steps over time you know how it didn't just happen overnight nothing great happens overnight it takes building and it takes time how did it all happen for you well, the genesis of it really was uh, it kind of came out of my own state of grouchiness. Uh, so I'll take you back. You know, it's September 24th, 2011. I'm sitting at the head of the table. You know, I got my wife and my three kids down at the other end. They're, they're enjoying themselves. They're laughing. They're cutting up, you know, uh, goofing around with each other. And, and although I'm sitting at the table with them, I'm not really present, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel distant. I'm, I'm thinking to myself almost in a resentful tone. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you guys to be happy because I'm the one carrying the load here, you know? And, and I was kind of grouchy and irritable. And, the, you know, the word on the street was, hey, stay away from daddy today. You know, he's grouchy. And when I just took a pause to think about what did, what did I really have to be grouchy about, you know? I'm here I am sitting in my own home, uh, you know, got a couple of paid-for cars outside, you know, here I do have a happy family, I, I should be ecstatic, uh, but, but, but I wasn't, I was, I was just irritable. And, and uh, the Man Up program really came out of my own effort to answer the question, you know, is this all there is, you know, this routine I'm in of making money, spending money, is, is this all it's about or, or is there something else missing? Because I'm certainly not as happy as I should be based on, you know, the level of success that I had achieved at that point. So it was like Groundhog Day. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming out. It's a routine. It's the rut. Yeah. You know? And, and I wasn't living. I was just surviving. And, you know, anything that ever happened financially, like a little setback, could be as simple as something as a refrigerator breaking. You know, I just kind of put too much into that and, and would think, oh man, I'm, now I'm another $500 away from whatever this imaginary goal I had to be totally financially free and protected from, from every eventuality. You know, uh, really the root of it was uh, I was being motivated by security, if you get right down to it. And security is an illusion because no matter what you have, what you build, what you create, you know, hey, it can always just be wiped out or taken away. So it's a, it's a very shaky foundation to to build your sort of your state of mind, your outlook on needing security first. 
but that's really what I was doing was was trying to feel secure uh, and I wasn't living you know I said okay well what, what's missing what's the missing ingredient and when I analyzed it I sort of checked out and went on my own individual retreat I turned off the phone started reading a lot of self-help books and um, you, you know trying to find out what's what is what is missing and and uh, if I had to boil it all down it would it would say that the things I was involved in my businesses and stuff you know they did pay the bills but they didn't really have any it wasn't meaningful in in any sense and and that's what my life was lacking was meaning uh, and so I I started looking for ways to 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 you know get that fulfillment and you know it came through uh, really sharing and teaching the stuff I was learning you know I, yeah I started off first with uh, I have a, a hair salon concept called Salon Studios and there was a lot of um, hairstylists in there and, and they were great at doing hair but they weren't great at business and so my first iteration was to get out there and teach them basic business classes and I was amazed at stuff that I thought was very simple uh, man they were just you know lapping it up taking notes and it was just things they had never heard and and that was the beginning that led to speaking at Toastmasters which led to the National Speakers Association which led eventually to the idea of um, of doing some sort of a retreat right so, so I, I'm kind of the same with strong men I felt like God gave me these gifts and I was only doing things for Andy with these gifts right so it, it was almost like an idea of this is meaningful to me and it's something I can be passionate about and it's something I can be committed to yeah I think um, have you ever thought of the concept of um, diminishing returns so diminishing returns happen when you've got you, you know you're putting some effort into something and when you've put in enough effort that any more effort you're not going to get as much out of it as what you're putting into it. Yeah. You know? It's like when you've had enough, right? Right. So they say like an optimal life is, what if you knew where that point was where you knew what enough of everything was? You, like you knew how much, uh, how much is enough house? How much is enough annual income? How much is enough car? How much is enough food or going out to eat? And, and if you stopped at the top, of that bell curve you know right at the tippy top where if you put any more effort into it you're not going to get as much out of it as you're putting into it and you just stop there then your life would be totally optimized and I think what really uh, don't, don't. philosophically you know is that people are beyond that enough point and they're still hustling trying to get more of the same thing and, and they don't understand why it's not fulfilling but getting more at some point it just doesn't give you the payback as it does in in the beginning of whatever it is that you're that you're after uh and and so that's why it's unfulfilling you're putting all this energy so let's just take an example let's say income right money is the common denominator everybody would say they would want to have more of yeah. okay at what point does making more than you're making now like the effort it takes the the mind power that it takes the time that it takes away from everything else say to make the next thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars what value will you get with that extra income you know is it 
is it equal or greater than the effort you're putting in, you know, to earn that, that extra money? You know, if it doesn't, then here you are, you're busy, you're over busy, your family starts wondering, where are you? You know, why are you never home? Well, you know, most men will say, I'm doing this for you, you know, I want y'all to have nice things and all this kind of stuff. And they're completely absent from the family, hustling to make money, but yet they're not getting the proper payback. Yeah, for me it was the exercise thing. You know, I get involved in these athletic pursuits and, and when I look at my greater vision for life, I just want to be healthy the rest of my life. But then before I know it, I'm putting 15, 20 hours a week into being a above average triathlete. <laughs> it's like it, I'm angry and I'm grumpy and I'm just overexhausted. Yeah. And it's not, like you said, it's not giving me the payback. Not for the effort you're expending. Right. So what if you knew exactly where that sort of peak point is? And, and you say, like, I'm getting the maximum I'm going to get for the time and effort and energy and treasure that I'm putting into this. And you knew where that was. And then you could go on to something else, say, with the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your year, and just kind of optimizing all the different areas, you know, work and career, spending time with your kids, spending the proper time with your wife, spending time doing other things you're interested in, pursuing hobbies and, and things like that. If you could just, if you just knew how much enough was in every aspect, you, you just can't live any better, you know, than that. And, and so going back to, to my story, you know, here in my mind, I was trying to build a financial fortress that could withstand any event, right? Right. That, that, that's including like hurricanes and floods and, you know, economic collapse. And, uh, and just to give you an example how I would just rack my brain over, you know, I would read an article about a financial banking crisis in Greece. Okay. It's in Greece, right across the ocean. And I would just, in my mind, extrapolate that to, well, if they're having a banking crisis, you know, it's probably going to have some sort of a effect on the U.S. banking system, you know, and if our banking system falls into crisis, you know, when my loans come up for renewal, what if my banker doesn't, you know, renew my mortgages, you know, on some rental property that I own? And, you know, and, and so I'm sitting here from one article about a banking crisis in Greece. I have myself feeling threatened of, <laughs> of my own situation across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, and it's more common than you think. I mean, you know, and that's just one example. Right. I'm, I'm, I was doing it with everything. Yeah. And so uh, how can you really go forward, be productive, you know, feel fulfilled, be happy when you're allowing things like that to sort of cloud your mind, drag you down um, and, and really make me less uh, willing to take risks, right? If If you see fear and and collapse everywhere are you really gonna invest in things and try to build things and kind of create things or do you kind of shift into a more hunker down protection mentality yeah the security that you're talking about yeah and it, it cuts off really your like a broader view of 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 your options of what is possible for yourself you know you're, you're making decisions from a state of fear which is usually what fight or flight yeah, uh, fight or fright, f freeze. I think is another one. You know, you just you just have a limited options. But when you feel like you know, okay, none of that really affects me, and um, 
and you and you, and you know I quit paying attention to a lot of that stuff. Uh, I went on a uh, a news fast is what I call it now. You know, I, I had a talk radio habit at the time. Uh, I was a news junkie, and it was just making me miserable. You know, so I, I turned all of that off. And and some people would say, well, you just have your head in the sand. You know, oh, you, you're not paying. I said, you know, what can I really do about all of this stuff? It's beyond my control. For me to be wasting my own mental energy, uh, worrying about things that I can do nothing about, it is the definition of a total waste. You know, like it's, yeah. it's not serving me in, in right. any way. You know, once I sort of turned off that outside uh, noise, uh, man, I, I, I did start to shift and become less grouchy and become happier because I wasn't paying attention to all that. The world started to look different to me and I was more energetic and, and more positive and upbeat and I was willing to take more risk and, and see things in from an optimistic perspective. And it was kind of like the beginning of starting to live, like with a capital L, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's like living yeah. as, as opposed to surviving, which I think, you know, we, it's called Man Up is the program. And it's specifically aimed at, you know, men because, you know, this is a, this is a kind of what I've seen anecdotally a characteristic of men most of us we're really hustling and struggling you know to survive on, on a real high level and I say real high level say compared to the rest of the world you know there's there's almost no one in, in America that's not doing extremely well compared right. compared to the rest of the world right. but we're not as equally happy and fulfilled yeah, we're the le we have the most we've ever had, and we're the least happy we've ever been. Exactly, and that yeah. was the same disconnect I was feeling. You know, like yeah. what 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 did I have to complain about? Not nothing really, but it didn't stop me from being grouchy and irritable. Yeah, uh, and you know, I wanted to change that. And then once I once I changed it for myself and realized, you know, it was just some mental strategies and and tactics and and philosophical uh, perspective changes. You know, I said, well, this is available to, to everyone, really. You know, and it's not like anyone couldn't even read the same books that I read. But I noticed when I went back out into the world, when my little checkout period was over, and I'd be sitting next to another dad, say, at my son's gymnastic event or, you know, some other kind of social event. I just really saw that most men were saying things that I would have said kind of before this, this pivot. Uh, myself and I was just like wow this is a pervasive issue among men like most men I'm running into they they're fairly successful or doing doing okay at the at at the least you know but their their fulfillment and happiness and and good feelings weren't corresponding to the same level they had achieved in their career and and I was just like this is such a tragedy um and a waste that these guys aren't enjoying their lives more how can I you know, how can I help them the most? You know, it, it's more than I can really explain in a, a 45 minute speech, you know, or an hour, yeah. hour speech. So, the, you know, I, I eventually uh, uh, watched a, a woman who was doing women's retreats, and that's when the light bulb went off. And I said, okay, doing a three day retreat, that, that would give me enough time to sort of lay it all out for them and, and help them make a shift and come to the realization that whatever they're struggling with, whatever 
they feel like is weighing them down or whatever. It's just all, I hate to say it, it's, it's in, let's just say it's in their head. Yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of in their head, tell me about meditation. You, you were bigger on meditation than I am, and I'm a huge fan of meditation. Um, you do the conscious connective breathing. You've been certified for it now, and I don't even want to go too deep into conscious connective breathing on this episode because that's a whole other planet. But tell me about meditation, how you brought it into man up, and then how you brought it into strong men. Okay, well, first of all, let me just say what I really believe the, the benefit of meditation is. It's essentially attention training. It's, it's a, a practice that you're sitting doing every day where you keep trying to bring your attention back to an anchor. Maybe your breath, maybe a candle, whatever. Every discipline uses a different anchor. But you're essentially trying to focus your attention on a specific thing. And you realize how difficult how difficult it is as soon as you start to do it and your mind wanders and you and you keep bringing it back over and over again to to your anchor and every time you you bring your attention back to whatever you're supposed to be focusing on it's like doing a curl in the gym you know it's it's one more rep and over time you really become aware of what are you focused on what am i you know paying attention to and and that's that's really the the payoff because when you get up off the cushion you know in the morning after you do your 20 or 30 minutes of meditation and you go on to do some other task in the day you start realizing the same thing oh wait a minute i'm not actually even focused on what i'm supposed to be doing here my mind is wandering once again and that is such a powerful skill to have is to realize when your mind is wandering and be able to bring it back to whatever you're focusing on because uh, I know you're a big fan of Tony Robbins. You know, the, the, the two things he said was your greatest personal powers were, one, what you paid attention to, and then two, once you paid attention to something, the meaning you assigned to whatever thought was coming in. And, okay. and so the first half of that is, if, you know, gaining skill and control and mastery over what you're paying attention to now you're in command of what's going in this fertile brain of ours. When you can control that, you're the gatekeeper, you're the guardian of your own mind. That is a serious skill and a, a huge fundamental foundational step towards self-mastery. That's why I bring it into the Man Up program. You know, these guys come in, they want to change their lives. And we've all tried to turn over new leaves. And, you know, what you, you find out it's kind of difficult you know pretty soon after you, you get fired up and you get some willpower and you start making changes and then you slowly slip back into your old habits you know your old programmed habits yeah. and then who knows a week a month three months later you're back to your old self now you're also chalked up another failure at trying to change you know and you, you begin to give up is change even possible but if you begin a meditation practice and you really sharpen your ability of focus, now when you go to make these changes, you're just in greater charge of the what's coming into the machine, you know, the, the garbage in, garbage out. You start really becoming more selective about letting less garbage in. Uh, and, and so to me, I don't think you can change fundamentally unless you you gain this power over your own attention and focus yeah they, they say you have 70,000 thoughts a day so I'm guessing if you start the first thousand of them of the day 
in meditation, or maybe not thousand, maybe two, three hundred, you kind of controlling the destiny for the rest of the day. And at the same time, when you say sh you sharpen that tool, you have greater control over those 70,000 thoughts. So most people walk around, unfortunately, most people walk around with these compulsive thoughts, usually negative thoughts, that just prevail their head all day. Right. Okay, so now what if you had the ability to like let the ones go that aren't serving you? Yeah. It's not that you can prevent the thought, but you can certainly not grab onto it with your attention. You know, it comes up and you start to realize, hey, this isn't good for me to think about. This is not going to be helpful. This so, is so, not going to lead to anything positive. Yeah, so a negative one comes up and you turn it into... Uh, 400 more negative ones as a result of that negative one. Yeah, because, you know, if you grab yeah. onto it, then it's just going to lead to the chain of, you know, I, call, I think of it as just taking me down the river, you know, of that negative stream. You know, yeah. As soon as I grab onto it, I'm now floating down this river, you know, maybe you want to add some drama to it and say it's a, a river of rapids or whatever, right. and you're just on the ride, you know. Yeah. What if you can just had the power and the skill to just let that very first thought go? And because, you know, there's another one to replace it, uh, a, a nanosecond right behind it. So if you can just allow that thing to just pass by, well, man, you just avoided, who knows how many minutes going down this other stream and what it would lead to, you know? Yeah. Think, think about just, uh, to, to give a real world example, you know, if, if something happens and somebody's pissing you off, something happens and you want to react to it, you know? If you go down that road, that could turn into an altercation, a fight, road rage. You know, you could get into an accident, whoever. And, uh, you know, a lot of people follow that, that trigger reflex to, to go down that road, right? It's funny you say that. I, I've done that thing on my bike. So I've been big into meditation for about a year and a half now, and it's changed my life, no doubt. You're more of an expert. That's why I wanted you to speak on it. But about six months ago, maybe a year ago, I was doing it and I was noticing the change in my life and I ride my bike on River Road all the time and people will just honk at you all the time. Legally I have a right to the road but they don't think so and they don't like it so they just bear on the horn and I'm usually like that you, you guy, you know, and I'll throw my hand up at him or whatever and I got to a point to where somebody honked at me and I just said God bless them and I just kept riding. Exactly. Because you know, who would suffer? Once the car's honked and passed, headed down the road, right? And then you go into s some sort of a mental cycle of being pissed off. Yeah. Who's doing the suffering? Right, right, yeah, no doubt. You know, he, he's already <laughs> 30 miles ahead, you know, in a, in a minute. He's gone, right? And here you are still on the bike, wrestling with it, it ruining your own good time. Like, so if you're selfish... And I mean that in a good way. You're selfish and you want to enjoy your life. And you can let moments like that just completely go and not sink your teeth into them. You realize what an up level just in your own daily experience that would create? Because how many annoying things do we run into in a day? You know, <laughs> hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. especially in a job like yours where it's just all kinds of people you're having to deal with and students and issues and parents. Yeah. You, know, you probably have 200, 300 opportunities a day to just let let some stuff go. So to me, uh, and look, the guy I learned it from, you know, was an English writer back in the 1800s, you know, James Allen. 
And he said, a man will never be what he could be unless he meditates. And I was actually skeptical when I read that line, you know, in, in a book he wrote over 100 years ago. But um, everything else he had said was, uh, had such an impact on me. It was so, so uh, pure truth. I said, you know, I'm going to give this thing a shot. And uh, I, I dove in and started doing it daily. Now it's been uh, about an eight-year practice. Yeah. And uh, I probably do it 80% of the time. Uh, and, and you get the benefit after about two months yeah. of, of digging into it. But there's, if, if anyone listening to this podcast uh, only did one thing to change their life, and if it was meditation, I think that's the, the most optimum practice or exercise you could do yeah. that will have the biggest, broadest impact and change on your just ability to just enjoy being here, no matter what kind of situation you're in job-wise, family-wise, you know, career, whatever. I agree. I'm a believer and you're a believer. Tell me about making 13-year-olds believers. Well, you know, you, you had invited me to come uh, do a meditation session with your, I don't know if you even know, if you were even saying come in and meditate for them. I, I think I just suggested I could do this really deep meditation called Yoga Nidra yeah. that I had been trained to do a few years back. Um, it, it lasts about 45 minutes. It's taken them really deep. And, you know, I thought, hey, let's just try it. I had no idea. Normally when I, I um, facilitated a, a yoga nidra meditation, it was just a handful of adults, you know, anywhere from 10, 12, 20 adults. They're in a yoga studio. They're all, you know, paying to be there. They're quiet. They want to get something out of it. And, and so here, bringing, bringing me into Strongman Academy, you got 45, 13-year-olds. They may, may have never heard the word meditation. You know, we're in a gym. Uh, you know, people coming in and out the doors, possibly. I knew it was risky, and honestly, I had no idea whether it would do anything for them or work. But I know there was some point, we were probably about 25 minutes, 20 minutes into the to the script that I'm reading, guiding them into it, and... Those guys were zoned out. They were in out. the zone. Yeah. yeah. And, and I looked over at you. You, you looked just as surprised as, as yeah. I was. It's like, okay, well, this is going better than I expected. Uh, just how easily they were able to, to sort of slip in to that meditative state. And they looked like they were really peaceful and enjoying themselves. So, yeah, and it's their favorite, it's their favorite thing they okay, do. Okay, that's a total shock to me. Uh, me too. Yeah. And now uh, I think we've done it um, four times. Once with your leaders, uh, and tw twice with with the um, with the, with the, PE with the class. yeah. With the whole. So twice with each PE class. So you've taken through five sessions. Yeah. Okay. And and look, they really. I'm just blown away by how much they are enjoying it. The feedback they've given you, and and um, and that they're able to kind of reach that that state so so quickly you know in, yeah. a, in a say not a less than an ideal environment right and i take my home room through it probably three times a week but meditation monday is is 20 minutes i, I usually guide it they like when i guide it better um and i'm i don't read from the cards it's not it's just kind of from my heart yeah but it reaches them and it, it gets them to a place where it starts off their week well so i love it um let's shift to community and networking and and kind of how you've created this community with man up 
how I'm creating the community with strong men and, and how we're kind of networking, bringing them together. And it just helps everybody, I guess, serve a greater purpose. Yeah, so when I started Man Up, I really started it almost kind of in my mind, some sort of like a coaching type operation. You know, I figured guys would come to this retreat. Uh, I could teach, you know, uh, I limited to 10 guys at a time, but I, I could teach 10 guys as much as I could over, um, you know, a three-day weekend. And so it was efficient for, for me to be able to do a group like that and, and teach 10 people at once. And I just assumed they were, you know, coming for their own individual self-improvement. The part I did not realize and became a surprise to me was how much the guys were, were like coaching each other and supporting each other. Oh, yeah. And they didn't even know they didn't even know each other on Friday afternoon. They they're perfect strangers. But I, I just noticed by the evening and and Saturday, I could see different people. You know, just uh, maybe something they heard in a share, and and they were supporting each other. And well, you know, as as an education guy, I can tell you, that's the ideal education setting is when we can have students in a classroom teaching the concepts to each other and we just facilitate it, that's when you know you've made it. Well, that started to just become evident to me no, no matter what group I brought on a weekend. Uh, they might have, all may have been their first time, you know, at a man camp. And I just kind of sensed this same magic happening where uh, it, it was like a group bonding support that was being built in there and then this was not planned but when the guys left the weekend uh you know now they had new friends actually yeah it's that, a camaraderie you it's know like like-minded you know right. guys who are interested in personal growth and development you know uh, typically probably back in their own world or sphere or family they're they're kind of the weirdo you know who's yeah. who who believes in self you know improvement that it would really work because a lot of people will try to tear you down when you're when you're trying to better yourself oh yeah let me know how that goes you know sort of well that's uh, you know that's why I, I tell people your model's better than the Tony Robbins model because I'm a Tony Robbins fan I haven't been a Tony Robbins Albert has been a Tony Robbins he says I should go anyway but I was thinking like last summer I was like do I want to go to Tony Robbins or do I want to try this deal out with this Albert guy and I was like Albert answers my phone calls that's the thing you know Tony he, he Tony hasn't got back to me yet yeah well you, so so that idea of having a network in a group and a level of continuity uh it's a little more real I don't want to say that Tony Robbins isn't real and what he's doing is not real but yeah there's some uh aftercare maybe is the thing well you know because I started noticing the guys were being involved in each other's projects. Yeah. They were investing in, in each other's real estate deals. Uh, a handful of guys from the man camp have come to speak to strong men. Uh, you know, they're showing up. They're volunteering. They're, it's just like it got to be bigger than the re retreat itself. And, and so it was a shift for me to, to, to realize, oh, I see, you know, what I'm, I'm doing here or the calling is kind of uh, up leveling to this community building it became the goal uh, you know the goal of it all yeah uh, that there was something more going on there was power in the, in the group you know so now we've had 
Uh, about 36 people have come through the program and we're, we're just all involved with each other. We're shooting videos for each other. We're producing uh, social media content for each other. Guys are doing each other's websites. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ron's doing my website. Yeah, another guy is, is, is a website hoster, you know, you know? so you know, I'd get no greater thrill than to you know, look up on the Man Up WhatsApp chat and, you know, see all these guys getting together and, and doing things, you know, outside of, you know, the quarterly retreats that we have. Yeah, community is, it's it's kind of the foundation. It's something with strong men that I started off with just this concept, Strong Men Academy. We need to teach all these concepts to these young men that, that we didn't have as much coming up that we could have used. And then I started realizing there's two components. There's Strongman Academy, which is the curriculum. And then there's Strongman BR, and that's the community. And what I realized is, is it's almost equally as much about the kids as it is about the men in the community that come and get to help the kids. It's something they need and want and enjoy in their life. I think you talked about it on your first podcast, but uh, it, it was, you know, mentorship and role models and and so it's great for your kids to have all of these real men cycling through as role models yeah you know and just see a variety of people who have become successful in their own right willing to take the time out of their schedule to come over here and give them a speech do some kind of activities with them and you're right I do know for a fact that the guys who are showing up here it's fulfilling to them to be able to share their life experience. Um, uh, you had a guy up here recently, Mike, who, who did a speech about uh, his, his childhood. And I didn't know this until just last night, but his best friend from Amsterdam was, who had lived all of those tales he was telling, was, came and attended the strong man. He filmed it, yeah. Speech. It was awesome. Yeah, so, you know, when they left here, and I don't know if you heard this, but it was... Um, it was like overwhelming to them to have lived that story and taken all the lessons and have the opportunity to come in here and, and share those. So it really meant a lot to, Man, to Mike awesome. to have that opportunity. And I know every single other person who comes in there and shares with him, yeah, it's fulfilling. Because let's go back to the original topic about uh, diminishing return and putting effort into things. I think human beings are actually designed to to get to the point where no matter what you're doing to live for yourself that uh that the pleasure or the benefit uh kind of drops off you know so you you said it earlier you said i started this you know for myself right what i'm doing and and, and you you were living you were living for yourself yeah remember that comment and then at some point you said hey i want to do something for other people i think there's a diminishing return for, for living to serve yourself only. But there's never is for fulfillment. You know, it's like, so if, if, if somebody out there is unhappy, grouchy, irritable, it's probably because they're focused so much on themselves and what they want to gain for themselves and what they want to secure for themselves, what they want to build for themselves, that they've passed the point of that optimal enough stage and and they're working hard and they're doing these things and, and it's not making them feel good. Yeah. 
It's because they're in the diminishing returns phase. And I, I believe all human beings are designed like that so that at some point we will be motivated and inspired to look beyond our own situation and get out there and go do something for, for someone else. And guess what? When you start doing that, it feels good. Yeah, right, and you want to keep doing it. So there's your payoff. It's like you know? a good addiction. Yeah, it's a good addiction. It starts feeling good, and you're doing more because I, I really believe we're designed as human beings to not just serve ourselves in, yeah. in the end. And but there's a built-in mechanism to make sure we're miserable if we try that approach. I like that. Yeah, it's just built in. You're gonna, and and a lot of people are feeling it. Yeah, and they don't get it. Well, great stuff. Let's move to our lightning round. All right, five questions, quick answers. Number one, biggest real-life mentor of yours? And, you know, he doesn't answer my calls either, but I have to say most of my success is, is due to some Tony Robbins tape courses that I listened to 20 years ago. Nice. All right, number two, biggest mistake you ever made? Uh, it's it's really uh, it's a regret, you know. If 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 I say that, I had an opportunity to uh, meet uh, Ronald Reagan. He he uh, landed on the LSU campus one year in in uh, Air Force One helicopter right across from my fraternity house, and uh, he was a he was a teak uh, in in his day, and he was coming over to visit our chapter, and uh, I had the opportunity to go and meet him. But and this is a whole nother podcast. I had been uh, arrested in uh, Tiger Stadium with a couple of my friends. I was on probation, and I really didn't think that the security would clear me to go. So, to in order to uh, avoid the disappointment of of not of being rejected that I couldn't go, I didn't even submit my application. And then one of my buddies who was arrested along with me, he submitted ah! his. He was there, <laughs> and I found out about it. And, oh, man, I, that's my biggest regret today, not not getting to shake Ronald Reagan's hand while he was alive. Yeah, that's uh, – whoo. All right, number three, favorite quote. Favorite quote. Okay, it's this uh, French philosopher. Uh, I think he pronounced his name Montesquieu. Anyway, he said, you know, if we only wanted to be happy, it would be easy. But we want to be happier than other people, and that is almost always difficult since we think them happier than they are. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to – after this podcast, I'm going to get a copy of that from you. <laughs> Number four, favorite book? As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. That was the guy who turned me on to meditation. Uh, and, and I hesitate to even call it a book because – it's almost pages. like an essay. It's yeah. it's 13 or 14 pages. There's more truth in those 14 pages than anything else I've ever read in my life. Yeah. I, I think I told you, uh, I don't know if I told you, when kids come into my discipline office and they're in trouble and I, I'm not necessarily ready to suspend them, uh, I give them a copy of it. And I'm like, sit here and read this while you're in here. <laughs> it's heavy. And then we talk about it. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, they, they know, they, they get it. They do. They I get can. it. All right. Don't know. You know, the lesson here is not to underestimate these kids at all. Right. Uh, last question. Do you like being bad in any capacity and how so? So definitely not in a foreign country. I, I just limit it there. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a juvenile delinquent at heart. And, uh, you know, the guy who founded Patagonia, he said if, if you want to understand an entrepreneur – study juvenile delinquents 
Yeah. Have, have you ever seen that no, saying? No, no. Yeah, he, he said basically, you know, uh, an entrepreneur is someone who says, you know, this sucks and I'm going to do it my own way. And so I've always been kind of that entrepreneur mentality slash juvenile delinquent, which at its core is just a rule breaker. You know, it's the rule breakers who who make life different, who change the world. And if I see something that doesn't make any sense, uh, if there's a rule that doesn't make any sense, I'm going to break it, challenge it, uh, try to get away with it. Awesome. <laughs> love it. Thank you, Albert, for coming on. We love you. Strongman loves you. Thanks, guys. See y'all next week.